0: Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'm I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett.
1: Howdy mountain bikers, thanks for being here and welcome to episode number 89 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get on the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for tuning in and if you're a first time listener thanks so much for getting involved I really do appreciate it. And if you're a long-time listener, well, you know I love all guys. So thanks so much for that. Now, I just want to say a big shout-out to everybody that took part in the 2019 Nook Proof IDMS downhill um, race there at Bree, round two it was. Um, well done, everybody. It looked like yet another fantastic day there. And uh, the Irish scene is just going crazy at the minute. It is so good. So well done to everybody that took part. And for everybody that's uh, heading over or taking part in the UCI Downhill World Cup Round 2 at Fort William in Scotland this weekend. Good luck folks. I hope everything goes well. I hope we get the weather and I hope you all have a great time. So good luck there. Now on to today's show and today's a little bit different. We're chatting to Davide Conte from Sicily. Well he's originally from Sicily. He now lives in New Zealand but um, has travelled quite a lot. Um he has done the Inca Trails in Peru in South America. He's got lost in the rainforest in Bolivia while on a mountain biking trip where his guide basically just left the group to fend for themselves overnight and they had to stay overnight in a, a jungle that they didn't really know where they were and where to, how to get out and where to go and stuff like that. So it's, it's quite a story. But we're really chatting to Davide really about the Wheels for Life charity because he got involved with Hans Ray and Carmen Ray um, for the Wheels for Life charity and has done a lot of work to help that charity deliver bikes to the people in need to help them get to school, get to work, get to the hospital, deliver goods to the local markets, whatever these people need. Um, the bikes are there and they help so, so much. So we're chatting to him about that. He has already delivered a load of bikes in Guatemala for the Wheels for Life charity and uh, we chat to him about how that went and how he got involved with Hans Ray and stuff like that. Now he is at present fundraising for a bike drop in Colombia, also through the Wheels for Life charity Um, so if you go to the show notes mtb-tribe.com you'll get all the links there to Davide's pages and how you can actually help him fundraise, it all all helps and a small donation really really helps to get bikes out to these these people that really need them and and help change their lives for the better and we've all heard of Hans Ray and we know how much of a legend he is so check out that chart it is really really worthwhile it's called Wheels for Life and you'll find it on the show notes a quick link there to it so if you go to the show notes and just hit up episode number 89 you will find it there so thanks so much for tuning in I will stop talking and let Davide do the rest and welcome Davide to the MTB David, welcome to the show, welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. How are you, sir? Oh
0: uh, I'm great and really thank you very much for having me tonight. It's really a great opportunity for me, so thank you.
1: You are more than welcome, my friend. You're more than welcome. No pronounce your name correctly for me will you please
0: (laughs) yeah it's davide it's the italian way you say david and so it's with the e in the end and it's pronounced davide yes
1: (laughs) davide okay right i may struggle with that but just bear with me
0: (laughs) that's okay i i i accept any name don't call me dave but anything else will do
1: (laughs) (laughs) classic um Now, you reached out to the podcast, you got in contact with me, Um, you have an awesome, awesome story, which we'll get into, Um, but it was mainly off the back of of the work you're doing with Hans Ray and Carmen and and the Wheels for Life charity, so we'll we'll touch on, we'll definitely get into that for sure. Um, So where are you based at at the minute?
0: Uh, I'm in Wellington in New Zealand, Uh, I've been here since uh, 2010 for the last nine years.
1: Wow, wow. Um and you're originally from Sicily, isn't that correct?
0: Yes, correct. So I lived, I I was born and grew up in Sicily and I left in two thousand and seven. I re- I went to Ireland for three years. Um and then I came to the side of the world, initially to say really like six months of twelve at the most. But mm-hmm. I have to say I, I fell in love with New Zealand and here I am ten years after.
1: Yeah. And did you say that you were you moved to Ireland?
0: Correct, correct. So Ireland was my, yeah, middle stage between Sicily and uh, New Zealand.
1: Ah, cool. So whereabouts in Ireland were you?
0: Well, I went straight, I went initially to Dublin and I lived there for about six months. um, And then I got a job in Limerick Mm -hmm. uh, on the west side. uh, So I spent Limerick almost three years.
1: Cool, man, because I'm from the north of Ireland. That's where I'm from.
0: Oh, yeah, that's what I was uh, gathering from your accent.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And mountain biking is blowing up in Ireland. It's getting so, so popular there. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, I've been seeing... And actually, some of my colleagues here are Irish, and they some of them mountain bike, and they were telling me about how we explored in the last few years. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because when I was there, I, I never heard about mountain biking in Ireland. I'm sure that it was something, but it must have been quite underground that mm-hmm. it wasn't popular at all. Because now the area where I used to live... I can see. I checked, like, just out as of a, as a curiosity, on trail forks, and there are like trails around. They say, "Oh, that's a shame. I didn't do anything there." But yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. It's massive, man. It's massive. The south has just been given a big um, ten million euro grant to build oh, wow. more trail networks and stuff. So yeah, it's getting crazy. It's getting crazy. Great opportunities, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But now you've had an all you've an awesome story here to tell us because you, you've read uh, the Anchor trails in Peru. You uh, were on a trip in Bolivia where you get lost, um, Correct. Which, which is all documented and stuff. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Pretty, pretty amazing. Um, so tell us, uh, tell us about mountain biking. So uh, how did you get into mountain biking initially?
0: Uh, it's actually it happened by chance, really. Um, I was in Wellington uh, for the first few months I was here, and uh, we went for a long weekend um, away uh, in, in the center of the North Island called Topo. It's like a volcanic area with lakes. And, and then one day they say, Oh, let's go to Rotorua. Uh, it's like one hour driving with my colleagues. And we went there. And then it turns out that Rotorua is actually one of the big, mm-hmm. probably one of the biggest places in the southern hemisphere for mountain biking. They hold uh, Crankworks and EWS. And so there was this park, the Redwoods Park. And we went to the mountain bike for a couple of hours. That was the first time I was on a mountain bike, uh, on, a, on a single track. And I loved it straight away. I said, "Wow, I, I can't believe I never done this before." So then I want I bought a mountain bike, then another mountain bike, and then another mountain bike, and then <laughs> I got six mountain bikes in my garage, and pretty much that's how I spend my money and my free time.
1: <laughs> oh, crazy! Uh, so you were you were in New Zealand at that time. So how long ago was that then you started mountain biking?
0: Uh, so that was in the 2011. Okay. Uh, and then I. I say really, mountain bike became like my a regular hobby in 2012. So that's what seven years ago now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because you've done a lot in seven years as far as mountain biking goes.
0: Oh, uh, I wish I could do more. Really, yeah, thanks.
1: Yeah, cool man, cool. So what drew you to mountain biking? You know, did you do any sports before that? Were you were you sporty before you 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 found mountain biking?
0: Yeah, I've I always been active sport wise. Probably I mean I think I carry a mild form of ADHD, so <laughs> yeah, no, I I grew up doing martial arts. First I done judo and then Kyokushin karate is like a full contact karate. And when I came to New Zealand, that was still my primary activity. So I wasn't really an outdoor person. And and when I quit mountain biking then and I loved that. Then I started going mountain biking like a couple of times uh, a month, you know, every second Sunday, mm-hmm. and then every Sunday, and then a Tuesday and a Sunday, and then a Tuesday <laughs> and a Thursday. And, a Sunday. and then at some stage, I, I stopped doing martial and I said, no, I don't want this anymore. I mean, I want to, do, I want to be on the bike every day. Uh, and the great thing is in, in Wellington is an amazing place for mountain biking. There are so many trails within the city. So I ride single trails to go from my home. actually made a video, I didn't send you that, to promote mountain biking as a commuting form uh mm-hmm. because and that in Wellington it's regular it's common uh so and then suddenly become my main kind of a sport physical activity I'd say and then from a physical activity became a passion and then maybe a lifestyle and now pretty much I have to say most of my non-professional life choices really are uh, directly go around the mountain biking
1: environment yeah wow and what's the crew like there have you friends that ride with you and stuff
0: yeah, I mean there is a very big mountain biking community here in Wellington. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there is a local mountain bike club, and there is like a big bunch of great people. And you know they, they, apart there is riding, there is digging days, there are um, social events as well. So we get spawned, so in Wellington uh, craft bills has become a big thing, and few breweries uh, support few mountain bike events, either uh, like events like, such as races. Or social events so we mm-hmm. had a, a brand a bill brand that the organizer was called Airs for Trails and we were buying at the pub uh, bills and a part of the the money was going towards uh, funding the local trails so really amazing really stunning yeah that's cool
1: that's cool now you're you're a doctor at Wellington Hospital isn't that correct
0: that's true yes
1: what do you do do you deal with fractures and stuff
0: uh, uh, no, I fracture myself. So I'm generally a patient in a fracture clinic, and I was there <laughs> a week ago. I just dislocated right my shoulder three weeks ago, actually, <sighs> I, but there was commuting. I was coming, riding back from work, and a van hit me, so the first time this right in my shoulder. And to be fair, this is how I found your channel, because I was looking for mountain biking uh, recovery, and I found your amazing podcast about mountain biking injury the recent one and all clicked from there
1: (laughs) there you are man there you are well i hope you found that interesting and got something from it no
0: it was really great and actually i shared with my friends i shared on the local mountain bike page it was a really great one actually and to be honest i sent an email um to sorry what's um to uh the the train sorry it's out of my mind in the moment but anyway because actually it was a great one and i'd certainly ask his help to for my recovery we've been in Uh touch already um oh, very but good. yeah so no i don't work uh, i work as a, a in internal medicine i'm a resident doctor that means i'm uh, in between uh, being a, a graduate a doctor and a specialist and uh, i'm specializing in internal medicine and i got an interest in uh, diabetes and nutrition
1: oh cool cool okay good stuff good stuff I, I was just wondering if you'd seen many mountain bike accidents come in to the uh, hospital wards there and stuff. <laughs> yes
0: yes <laughs> yes yeah we see them on a on a probably on a weekly basis and as I say, we have this local Facebook page. It's called Welly MTB Tracks. And, you know, every time there is an injury, we share it there. And we make a laugh out of it. We make jokes, you know, and the banters. <laughs> and so it's really common. But, hey, this is mountain biking. So follow exactly. totally up for it, yeah.
1: Contact sport, mate. Contact sport. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, so you chat about having sex bikes. Uh, what are you riding? What are you using?
0: Um. So, uh, at the moment, I have a, a, a giant rain uh, as a, my main trail bike, but um, actually with my friends we, last night, literally, we we built a, a Kona. I bought a frame of a, a whole a couple of years old Kona process, and we just built it just for the sake of it, for fun. Um, I, I'm trying to ride quite a bit uh, harder. I got a British Hardtail uh, NNS, NNS uh, mm-hmm. bikes, a Surge that I built as well, and um, then I, what what have I got? I got a go bike, a cyclist bike, a downhill bike, and an A-jump bike. But yeah, so my, (laughs) I would say, the giant rain is my main trail bike. Let's put it like that.
1: Yeah, cool, man. Cool. I, it can become an obsession, um, bikes. Uh, Ah, yes, it
0: is. It's an an addiction rather, but a good one.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. (laughs) Now, let's chat a wee bit about, uh, riding the anchor trails in Peru, uh, South America. Um, Tell us why you decided to, to do that and to ride the Inca
0: Matt, it was actually just um, uh, what happened is uh, I, I I remember a few years ago, must have been like 2012, maybe. Or a GoPro, the on the GoPro Facebook channel showed up this video called uh, Lost in Peru, a mountain bike video, uh, and I looked at it and there was this guy like this group of friends like riding mountain bikes yeah, Um and I say, wow, this is, like, stunning. I, I want to go to Peru. And then a couple of weeks after, I booked my first overseas trip to, you know, uh, on an organized tour to Peru. I'm, I'm a bit impulsive like that. And so I do those things. And it's cool. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So and then I went to Peru. And then I did this organized bike tour. And, and I love that. I said, wow. Like, I mean, this is the next level of mountain biking. It's not just mountain biking and on the weekend with your friends in a local trace, But it's going mm-hmm in another place completely far and you see new place new people new culture and and beside the pure mountain biking the exposure you get to the to the different culture is completely different from going as i say to peru as a normal tourist and you see the the usual hot spots with thousands of tourists around mm-hmm. we were riding these trails that, and we were just us, it was four or five of us. and then we were passing through these either villages, really simple and unfortunately poor as well and undeveloped, and as well as houses made by you know like mud brick with no electricity, with a little fire outside, no toilet, and I, it's great. I mean, it's a great exposure and you really see the world on a different and probably more genuine perspective. And I love that. I love this concept to say, wow, this is how, how I want to travel. This is how I want to explore the world. And then, so the, and then two years after I went, I wanted to go to Bolivia, well, the, the only downside of the Peru trip was that being an organized tour was great in the way that everything was supported. And mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know, like, and so it was perfectly organized. It was really, but probably too good for my personal taste because I have this kind of adventure attitude. So mm-hmm. when you just show up and ride, you don't have to think where to go or or how we get there or what, what if. So all the logistics as well. That that's a part that excites me. So when we try to go to Bolivia, I try to set up a diff and more or a less supporter rather, uh, type of tour. Um, and then just going around the internet, I think it was on Pinkbike, there was some uh, uh, an article about riding in Bolivia, and, uh, and I saw there was a name of the guy who was taking these riders around, and, mm-hmm. and I looked for him on Facebook, and then I sent him a message, I said, look, i want to come to Bolivia, would you like to, to show us around? And then, yeah, and then we, on a few messages, we agreed, we went there, we saw we arrived in Bolivia, uh, things didn't go as the plan, and yes, they were adventure, and probably more adventure than I was actually expecting. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, we ended up in the forest, me and my three friends, uh, while I was uh, for we actually got helped uh, by these three um scientists. So we met in this for completely overgrown forest. There wasn't anything rideable. Like we had to push the bike for almost 40k on our shoulder in this overgrown bush and and, and we suddenly bumped into these three people. They were studying the birds and filming the birds. And, and we said, oh, well, look, we're we stuck here. And then we said, can, can you help us? So at least we spent the night beside our tents. The girl that was with us, she slept in the tent with one of the girls, the scientists. And me and the other two guys, we slept on the floor with a piece of PVC on top of us trying to you know, keep mm-hmm. the, the cold and the, the animals as well, insects and everything away. And then it turns out, obviously, that, you know, this PVC became like an isolating thing. So it became all moist and wet inside. So we got probably more freezing. You know, we probably didn't have enough outdoor experience and skills to manage properly. But yeah, it went fun. And at the end of the day, we all laugh about that. But it could have are we aware that we could have gone much wrong, you know, there are wild animals, it could have started raining, we could have got into, we were at 2,500 meters of elevation, so if it would have started raining, the temperature would have dropped, so hypothermia would have been a serious risk then. Because mm-hmm. saying that, i said the guide, uh, it was supposed to be a show guide, and the guy said, yeah, just go ride, it's going to be hot inside the forest. So, you know, gravy jackets, very minimal things for a two, couple of hours riding. So we didn't bring a lot of food, we didn't bring a lot of water, we didn't bring jacket, and then suddenly we'd there for the night completely unprepared. Uh, so a lot of things could have gone wrong. Someone could have got injured. We had no lights, we had nothing. So, yeah, it's,
1: um, it's uh, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy, man. I did watch your video on it. And, um, you know, th- that's pretty nuts. Like, what kind of research did you do on the trails and stuff before going there?
0: Yeah, so that's the interesting factor. We, so when um, I've been in touch with a with guy, um, we weren't really, um, pra- that wasn't the plan of going in that track. They so because that was the second day riding with him. So the first day we went to this uh truck called Takesi, it's an old like hundreds years old Inca trail that starts almost at 5,000 meters, was like 4,150 or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was quite hard because so we got with us, uh, his dad, drove this adapted four-wheel drive uh, kind of truck up to a certain level. Then we have to push the bike through this truck for a few hundred meters and we're already at four, four and a half thousand meters my first ride in bolivia actually on the altitude so i wasn't adapted either i i struggle remember uh, so i started having dizziness and you know nausea that that but anyway we got up at the top and then we start dropping down big tracks, big rock with drops really great track but probably maybe too much too soon maybe mm-hmm. and especially mm-hmm. one of our group um, riders didn't she didn't feel too comfortable in it to to ride that so we it took that truck, it was we dropped for i think about 3,000 meters of vertical descent in in a one ride of 40k it was really great and massive and it took us a bit longer than expected so that night then we were talking with the guy I said um The second day was planned to do a similar ride and he told me, maybe it's too much, we need to find an alternative, something a bit more simple, something less uh, requiring, more physical and uh, technical. And I said, Mm -hmm. yeah, that sounds fair, yeah, good idea. And then say, oh, there is this truck. It's called, I think, Silicon Tara. It's an amazing trail. It's really flowy. We just had to walk the forest for 15 minutes. Then it drops into this flowy trail, like a walking track. Amazing. Finishing a little village. We take, about it, take a van and we go back. So, yeah, that sounds like good. Sounds like probably a more progr- a progressive way of riding. So, yeah, sounds good. We get to the Silicon Tara and, yeah, we start walking into the bush. 15 minutes, half an hour, one hour two hours um and i think because so we were planning to do a short ride then we, uh, all of us unconsciously we took it this in the morning so we had a lazy wake up a late wake up a, a very kind of a slow breakfast so every, because ah, it's just a you know like couple of hours riding you don't need to leave at six in the morning um mm-hmm. so we ride there it was already lunch time and then suddenly it was two o'clock and we're still walking and we know that six o'clock was like you uh, know the light was starting fading, and then and that's when I started recording the video because as I started feeling that like this is not going well, uh, and that's when I started recording and um, and I was I don't know did you see when I asked my friend say oh what do you think about this truck mm-hmm. say oh yeah, yeah. Say, oh, this is nothing like we were perspective there's no he hasn't done any research on this truck or anything. But, and then at some stage, I think half an hour later or something, I, that's when I asked them, I think I've asked them in Spanish, I don't remember, or in English, I don't remember, but I, in the video, it's clear that and, and I them, oh, look, uh, I think we're getting stuck here. Should we turn around? And that would have been hard, but at least we wouldn't known where to go and ha- that we would have been out. Because to me, we were still in an in a, unknown like in a question mark, where, where, where are we actually going? And he said, No, no, this is stupid. We should not go up. Let's just keep going. And they say, Oh, another ten minutes, thirty minutes, or maybe even an hour, and then we get into the truck. Say, Well, mate, you don't even have a crew then, like, you don't yeah. you just keep you know, like and it was assertive but actually not even you know just say yeah no everything's gonna be fine everything's gonna be fine it, it is actually it's a bit of a Latin attitude I have to say but mm. anyway so like, no, let's just keep going keep going say okay fine you do man and we kept going but we were already getting a bit the and on anxious at least and um, at some stage at six o'clock start getting dark uh, we catch up with my friends and we say ah oh, you know, this is getting a bit dangerous now. We were passing, walking on, you know, logs used as, uh, as like bridges with masks on it, and it was already sketchy to walk. You know, with a, with a clip, I had clip shoes, like clipless shoes, holding my bike on the shoulder on these slippery logs with a bit of a, dro- you know, a few meters, five meters drops underneath. Yeah. On the daytime, so I'm not gonna do this at nighttime when on pitch black with no lights. Like this is suicidal. Really. This is stupid. And then the guy said, "Oh, I got another two tomorrow. I need to go." I said, "Well, no, we no, we no, we don't want to go. Like, hold on." I said, "No, no, no. Okay, I'm going." I said, "Well, we don't want to go." And I said, "Well, okay, you say I'm going." And then he left us.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> like wow.
0: And like, fuck, this is like sorry, but anyway, <laughs> this is like our guy. Like. We hired him. We were paying him, and he was supposed to look after us, and he did nothing of that.
1: <laughs> yeah, because watching the footage, you know, it's. It looks but unbel- There's no way you could ride it. There was no way you could no. ride that stuff. Like, you, you would have struggled just to walk through that, let alone on clipless shoes and have a bike on your shoulder. Yeah. Um, it looked crazy, man. So, when he decided to leave, did yeah. he obviously know where he was going or what, you know, how did you no. feel at that
0: point? So, look, and so it's interesting actually because he left. So, it was him, his assistant, and he actually took, um, with him, his son that day. Uh, no, they just left. We, we st- So we were lucky, as I said, that we bumped into these uh, three scientists that um, like just minutes before we decided to leave and probably that helped us to decide to say, oh, look, there is other people here. Probably this is a good mm. place to stop. So he left and we stayed there. And in the morning after we kept going, and I say, and the terrain we were walking through, on a, again on the daytime it was still quite hard and difficult. So I say, oh, I wonder actually they made it, you know? We were even expecting maybe we found them, you know, maybe stuck here because one of them could uh, break his leg and been stuck here. We didn't know, so we kept going and kind of uh, having a bit of a feel to find something that we would not like to find and mm-hmm. but anyway we kept about eventually we managed to get out we got into this group of three or four houses that's actually quite a bit of a famous spot for a whole japanese guy that was in the second world War, and then he escaped and hide there for like years anyway
1: oh. and
0: <laughs> another story behind that and it's actually in the <laughs> And then anyway, and, and then we asked the, the, the people there, the residents of the houses, and they say, yeah, someone was shouting in the, in the early this morning about six o'clock and they were knocking for us, asking for water and some food. So, so they made it out. And so according to these people, they got to that point at six in the morning. So that's 12 hours after they spread with us. Well, we, 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 it took us about two hours, two and a half hours to get there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, that is crazy,
1: you know, man. That is crazy. I, I, don't even know
0: what, I don't want to imagine what they went through. Imagine in a pitch black, overgrown bush, uh, you know, forest uh, with all these drops and, and, you know, and very dangerous parts. But, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for them they made it out because I said we were seriously concerned that something would have happened to them. Uh, Cause we we weren't really feeling comfortable at all on working there. but yeah, yeah. luckily nothing tragic happened. And then and eventually we were expected at least to, you know, when we got to the to the to the real village, to the road, that someone would have been waiting for us there. And there was no one there, and we had left our stuff. So three of us, over four, three of us left even wallets and stuff in in, in his van. So we didn't even have money, so actually one of the guys had money, so we can put our bikes in one of these little vans used as a you know local kind of shuttling service or bus mm-hmm, so we mm-hmm. we put and tied the bikes on a, on the on the roof of the van. We went to the best bigger village and then a couple of phone calls and asking people a favors and then we we got out uh, and to be honest, I never seen the guide again. Uh, really we, yeah some some of the things so we met his dad. Who gave us like the backpack and some stuff? Um, and I was expecting at least to meet him, and I would expect we were expecting some apologies, you know. And um, mm-hmm. never met him. So actually, I got my iPod, for example, just left in his van. I don't care, but yeah, you know, just to say. But I never met. We never met this guy again. Um, that's it. Never heard of him. Nothing.
1: That's crazy. And David, you had organized this yourself was it your idea yeah. to go so how were your mates with you <laughs> yeah
0: yeah it was my idea uh, that's the thing <laughs> and i felt responsible you know from my, because i so i i wanted to go to bolivia i spread the voice i asked these two friends of mine are really good friends so i'm going to bolivia uh, it would be great if you guys come and they say they say, a couple say yeah yeah okay and say how are we organize, and I thought, okay, that's fine. I'm gonna get in touch with a guy, and um, you know, i try to organize like a little package or something, but quite budget, quite advent. You no, know, not everything organized, but we still have some decision and something to think about. Mm-hmm. So I felt responsible for them, you know, as well. So that's another additional, you know, un- uh, factor. Uh, yeah. as i say we are good and laughing now but we had our little time there was a bit of a tantrum a bit of tension during that time but that's okay that's part of an adventure now
1: <laughs> yeah exactly and so did you get to ride any decent trails while you were there
0: yeah so well the first day the takesi as i say isn't is amazing mm-hmm. and i would totally advise anyone who goes riding in bolivia to to do that track um and then from that we went to sorata so uh, the, the fourth guy that was there wasn't actually part of us was a guy that from austria there was kind of a living in bolivia knew the guide so he came, he tagged along with us but then he stayed with us that night for example so he separated from from his friend as well and so he, he told us sorata is a great tra- is a great village with some amazing trails there really natural kind of free riding trails let's go there so we took a bus went there and on the street, we bumped into this guy. There was a local mountain biker that this Austrian guy that I met some time in the past. And we asked him, uh, so we pretty much hired him on the spot to show us the, the the trails. And we hired a band to shadow us. There is, I mean, they are all pretty much free rides, stretched downhill trails. There is everyone there as a, a, a simple but a downhill bike. So there is not a concept or a lot of developed. Of cross country and there mm-hmm. yet they do the mega avalanches there all um, so this is the con there is very pure gravity assisted riding that they do there so you, mm-hmm. we hired a van was shutting us up and we were riding down amazing scenery the glacier um, the glacier on the back I got some videos I can link to you just to show how amazing is the riding there and the scenery and the whole experience is amazing so certainly yes yeah, Sorata. It's a great place to spend even three to five days riding Takeshi, Koroiko. There is a lot of riding. There is a lot of big Mm. riding in Bolivia. Probably bigger than Peru, I would say.
1: Right. Wow. Wow. Well, it's it's funny because I watched the the Peru videos, the YouTube videos you were telling me about. And, um, yeah, man, that riding looks difficult. Like, that is not, you know, that looks tough. And to watch something like that and think, yeah, you know, i'd like to do that fair play to yeah. you because that is not easy
0: yeah and to say and i was still quite new I like, can, i would have graded myself i don't know beginner to intermediate i don't know like, right? but yeah uh i was i, I can see how i was guiding like at that time four or five years ago and yeah and i and yeah and i just went there but let's for sometimes i i do more than i should in this way uh but I don't know, that's that's the way you explore the world, just getting out of your confidence area, I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah, certainly. And I'm sure you find you yourself a much better rider after those trips.
0: Yeah, they they do a lot because you, you're riding pretty much blind all the time. You don't ride the, the, the same truck twice. And, and there is some difficult bits. And yeah, I think it's a great way to push your limits and to actually test, how far can you go and how far can you push yourself? So yeah, biking trips are a, a, a different way to improving your skills, but certainly they do improve your skills.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, let's touch a wee bit on um, Wheels for Life because effectively yeah. those trips made you get involved with Hans Ray and Carmen Ray. Um, Correct, And yes. the Wheels for Life chart. Tell us a wee bit, um, just firstly, tell us a wee bit about Wheels for Life and what they kind of do, just just briefly.
0: Yeah, so uh, Worse for Life is a is a non profit charity that uh, provides bike to people in needs of transportations, and they do it in the developing world. So I think they they, they go around I think thirty countries. I think they've been uh, they've been donating bikes like such as Africa or South America or in Asia, and then yeah so they organize they accept donation organized events and they they identify a recipient like uh, it can be a school like the one i did in guatemala or or a hospital in africa for example and and they they collect the fundraise money and then they go there and provide bikes generally they buy them locally because uh, um it has a couple of advantages. One, you save in shipping and custom costs, and, and also you help the local economy as well, as mm-hmm. well as binding, you know, a provider like a shop or someone, a distributor course, to yeah. the recipients as well, because obviously, you not know, you're going to require assistance. Unfortunately, bikes are, it's not just purchasing the bike, as you know, but it's maintaining bikes. So, yeah. So, so yeah, so the bikes are generally um, are acquired or purchased locally. Um. So, yeah, so this is Wheel for Life, and actually the interesting thing is how I came across with for Life, really, because um, I was, so when I, I traveled to, with a bike to Bolivia or Peru, and I've been through these poor areas, you kind of feel like, oh, man, I wish I could do something for this kid, especially with the kids, because you go, you are in a village, and all the kids see these foreigners on these fresh bikes, and they will run to you. Most of them don't have a bike. Uh, Some will have like a really old, very old and, you know, wrecked bike. Mm -hmm. And they see this bike and they just, you know, they come around you. They're very cheerful. And you see how actually how simple their conditions are. They say, man, I really wish I could do something for them. I know some people tell you like, oh, when you go just bring some pencils or something like a book or something that you can give to them. Yeah, it's a great thing. I don't see it as, a, as the most effective way, though, to to give something really useful to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I always had this feeling of uh, I I want to do something. I want to give back to these people. You know, I'm going to the countries to have an amazing fun, an amazing experience of adventure and exploration and knowledge. And I really want to do something effective. That has been always in the back of my mind. And 2016, I was looking online just trying to get an idea, of oh, when am I going to do my next bike trip? And I was thinking maybe Central America. I was just like scanning around Google and YouTube and Pink Bike website thinking, let's try to find something interesting. And then I came across, uh, put, I think, Guatemala mountain biking. And this video on uh, YouTube shows up with Hans Reis and Tom Oro riding Guatemala for the wish for project. And I watched this video. I said, like, wow, this is my photographer. this is what I want to do now so straight away I send an email to Hansley because that's what I do I I find someone I contact them straight away as I did with you <laughs> <laughs> and then um, say cool wow this is like amazing and I send them an email and I say hi like this is me this is what I do and I love to be part of your project I saw the Guatemala project I want to go to Guatemala I would love to really do something for these kids there and then um, you know, it took us a couple of emails, I think, to start really... I mean, I, I can see Hans side as well. Like someone random sends in an email, he wants to work. With. I I can totally see maybe yeah. these initial skepticism, say, who, "Who the hell are you?" Like, and because, and I can see how there is a potential risk as well that I could be someone. Yes, I gonna a, a fundraise on your name, and then goodbye, and I'll never give you the money. Like, and I, there is a risk. I you know I'm using their names, their logos, so. But I think eventually, after a couple of emails, because then I told them, look, I don't want like, like even asking me, so who, are you thinking of trying to get a percentage of, of what you fundraise for your trip to cover costs? And that's fine. Look, my fundraise is going to be all online. All the funds will be visible. I don't want any of this. I'm going to pay my ticket. I'm going to pay my, my, my cost. All the money I raise are money they're going for these kids. That's it. Deal. Yeah, because...
1: Uh, that's something that Hans does himself when he goes out to the countries with Wales for Life. He actually pays for his own plane ticket and stuff as well, doesn't yeah. he? He takes nothing from the from the charity at all.
0: That, that is a yeah, he does. That's correct. And and I mean like I don't like, want I don't want to fund, right? Yes. And but then taking even if it's a part of the money to cover my car, this is not the principle, you know. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm still going, I'm still going and traveling and having an amazing experience and an amazing adventure. And I'm more than happy to pay me my own funds for my own costs. And and what I'm doing uh, is really what all the effort I'm putting to fundraise, I really want all to go to these kids.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. And I know that um, chatting to the guys from East Africa as well, because they have similar issues out there uh, with um, the kids and the bikes and stuff. But we yeah. look at, you know... It, we look at mountain bikes and bikes very differently than they do. We look at it as, you know, well, obviously people use bikes to commute from work and, and shops and everything else. But yeah, I know talking it's, to Simon and a, the guys. It's like
0: a fun thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, like what they would say to Simon, where are you going on your bike? And Simon would say, well, I'm just going over there. And they're like, why? And he's, well, because it's good fun. And they're like, but why? They don't understand why you would use the bike as fun. To them, it's something that yeah. they need to transport or to get to the market or to get to work or to get to school. And Correct. I can certainly see that. And that's what Wheels for Life is really trying to achieve. It's such a, such a, good, uh, a good charity.
0: It is. And if you think in some of these areas, like specifically like Africa maybe, you know there is no really other main uh, other options of transport you know like some of these I mean, unless you have the financial capability of having a four-wheel drive that most of people don't then mm-hmm. biking is really the only way of transportations beside your legs to you know to actually to reach a place or to transport something to a place like again talking about um i Af- for life uh, in africa They've been donating bikes to health providers, you know, like doctors, nurses, midwives to reach wow. other villages. You know, like, I mean, it's, it's huge. It's, it, if you think that you give the possibility to some people to have some sort of medical care because you give in to the health provider a, a way to reach these villages, this is just amazing. You know, like that goes beyond any level of uh, a better level of support or, you know
1: yeah it's massive it's massive so with all the charities out there what what made this one stand out the most for you
0: i think i mean there are a lot of charities and uh, i found in this one really I, I'm, I'm not saying this is better than the other but this suits me better than the other or in terms of what i do like this because a i love bikes b i love to travel c i love to help people Mm-hmm. And this is what Wills for Life is. I have the opportunity of helping people in another country through traveling and through mountain biking, because then I go there and i uh, like, I'm going to Colombia now in four weeks and uh, ho- well, with a shoulder fixed, hopefully, but I'm hoping to, mont- I-, I will mountain bike there. Mm-hmm. I- at the same time, I'm exploring and I'm, I'm, I'm helping other people. So it's really this triad of factors that is not only great in terms of charity and helping people, but it's charity also to give in op- these opportunities that, to me, made Worse for Life a great way of, you know, planning my trips and, and putting a lot of effort myself. And and what i like to do tonight is promoting, like, in the way that I say, you know, it's it's totally doable and you can do it in a very different way. You can just donate online or you can um, go on board a project the way I do. Uh, there's a lot of way to do it, but it's a great way. And, you know, as I do it, and I'm just, you know, a normal job with a, with a normal work, with a lot of biking, other people can do the same. But at the end of the day, it's people in, in the area of need, they're going to benefit from
1: that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you you um, helped Hands and that deliver bikes to Guatemala. Um, you've yeah. done a load of foundries and... And stuff like that. Tell us a wee bit about that. How much you raised, and how many bikes you delivered, and what that whole experience was like.
0: Yeah. So um, when I did the Guatemala one, I said I never done a proper fundraising like this. There was way something like way bigger than I um, that I, I was skilled or, or you know experienced on. Because uh, mm-hmm. when so when I've been in touch with Hans, I say yeah, cool, do a local, do some fundraising on your by yourself. You know, collect some money and uh, and then. Uh, we we put in contact you with the bike, uh, with the local bike providers and with the recipients, with the school, and you can go there and, and and donate these bikes. Cool. And it turns out that the bikes were about 120. So a bike I in a, a local was about 120 US dollars. Yeah, like per bike or per per mm-hmm. you know per package. And uh, there's about 200 New Zealand dollars. So I put myself a target. Say, okay, I wanna uh, I wanna go there and buy ten bikes. Uh, so two, I, my target was two thousand uh, dollars, and I had about six months, um, or, or just about. Uh, so I started going initially to the bike race, local bike race here, with a little, you know, plastic uh, paper box collecting coins, and and that was something. And then uh, stuff, I I got an idea from other. I'm always up to to you know get an idea for other people. Then I organized some local shuttles. So I rented a van, I rented a trailer. Uh, you know, shattering people, riders on the weekend, up and down, and there was another few hundred t- uh, dollars, some of my, f- I, then I organized a raffle, so the gym where I trained, he gave me a few membership cards, mm-hmm. uh, and there was other prizes, so I organized a raffle, and there was another good amount, I think, six hundred dollars, something like that, end of the day, few friends and family, I've been hustling, really for bigger donations, <laughs> as I do, mm-hmm. and End of the day, I meet my I, I put actually I put some of my I because I had my target. I was just under like was eighteen hundred dollars, something like that. Say, yeah, okay, two thousand, put two hundred dollars on mine, cause I want to do that. Um so yeah, so I raised two thousand dollars. That was my target, that means ten bikes. And then Hans comes back to me and say, Oh look, we actually appreciated what you've done. And on top of your 10 bikes, we're gonna uh, as a you know, directional fun wheels for life, we're gonna found another 40 bikes wow so i said wow that's 50 bikes now the interesting thing in this story then is that the the school the recipient missed this message from hans i don't know why I, anyway so they were expecting 10 bikes so they we organized a day for the ceremony and and for, you know for the family of the kids the kids and you know mm-hmm. like a bit of a music has you know like a bit of a party and And they organized, there are 10 guys to be there, to be the recipients (laughs) of the guys. And then these trucks arrive, and it's full of 50 bikes. And, And you can imagine, like, you know, everybody were like dribbling, astonishing. And he actually at this moment for this girl, the director of the school of panic, say, "Shit! Oh, I need another forty kids now." Right? <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was great. And I said, "Yo, ended up well." And uh, it's just that weren't expecting expect that, and it was an amazing, you know, surprise. Like, and and then I could see because the director of the school interviewed me. I had my little speech in my broken Spanish, and uh, uh, they were thanking to me, and and I could see us. Every person was there—the kids, the staff of the school, the director, the volunteers, the parents of the kids—were all looking at me like, with this bright light behind me, like I was a saint or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, And because I'm like, you, this random guy from New Zealand just showed up here with a with a truck full of bikes for our kids. And they were, they really, really were appreciating that, uh, and they were amazed. And that that feeling of appreciation just gave me this energy to say, mate, this is amazing. I want to do this again. Like, this is such of a great energy that you get out of this, that, yeah. Certainly. This, this is not a level of drugs, you
1: know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly. And was Hans there with you? Was Hans and Carmen no, there? or No,
0: unfortunately not. Um, it's always been difficult, I think, especially because I normally go around June, July. This is the period that works for me uh, to mm-hmm. go to South America. And um, And so even this year in Colombia, unfortunately, we were discussing whether he was able to join me. And, and I, I don't think he would be, I mean, he has his own very tight schedules. I, exactly. You know, if you follow him on Instagram like, or on the social media, you see he's always around the world and doing events. Hans is like a legend, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. who, how can you not recognize that? So, yeah. So, no, actually, no, the funny thing is we've been collaborating now for, for this uh, event and lots of emails. And I never actually met him in person. You know, this mm-hmm. is the power of the medias. You know, you can do so much. So many constructive things, and you don't need even to know the person, know people in person.
1: Yeah, yeah, cool. So this drive you're doing now uh, with Wheels for Life is in Colombia. So why did you choose Colombia?
0: Um, I think because I just wanted to go to Colombia to be honest. (laughs) Uh It's been always Colombia like a destination, and I I wanted to do and somehow I managed to skip or avoid unconsciously probably but yeah so I say so what happened is I think about yeah at September last year I I was thinking oh, I want to go to Colombia maybe Um. so I sent an email to Hans say hey Hans um are you guys running any project in Colombia say no we actually don't we haven't managed there so well, I was thinking to go to Colombia next year, and uh, you know, like I would have to do another project. there. what do you what do you think? What 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 do you reckon? And and the well, look, I mean, it would be great, but as I say, we don't have any contact. We don't have any, we don't have any recipients that we identified. So you will have to start everything from scratch. Wow. So, wow. Okay, this is an extra challenge again. Uh, okay. So I said okay. I'm going to have to find a and Obviously, there is, you go on, if you go charity, Colombian Google, like you're going to find thousands of pages, which one is rigid, which one is actually efficient, which one is something that suits me. It's it's hard, it's hard.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So
0: I, I've been looking, spending a couple of days, and I was a bit, oh man, this is going to be a bit difficult. Um, and then I start asking around, there is, a, there is a good Latin community that I'm actually close by here in Wellington, and I, uh, I contacted a few, messaged a few people that I knew directly or not, who are Colombians, I say, look, this is what I want thinking. And then one of the girls here, uh, she replied to me said, oh, uh, a, friend, a good friend of mine, she runs this charity school in Cali, it's a heart school that is in a very poor area and it offers uh, free heart education to these kids to get them off the street. I say, right, wow, this is interesting. I like it. Uh, tell me more about that. So she puts me in contact with the director of the school. We start talking. Yes. And there is this school. So Cali is a city, so I think at the third or the fourth major city in Colombia. Mm-hmm. And Colombia, I think, even though has gotten out luckily of from this very difficult years, you know, of the narcos and the you know the rebels, the civil war, and you know, all the problems in the nine eighties, nineties there is still quite a lot of poverty in certain areas. And and especially if you go in the urban poor areas, there is a lot of criminality. There still is a high risk of, you know, getting into the drugs, into the, a bad path. So this school, the aim of this school is really trying to get the kids off the, the streets and give them a different opportunity. And they do it truly hard. So, man, this is like quite cool. And um, so I contact them. I told them what I want to do. They were really happy astonished say yeah actually you know a few of our students actually live quite far so for them having a bike will really make them easier and given the chance of actually attending our school i said yeah that's that's what we do like yeah that's what we are trying to aim and so start getting in contact with them and then uh, I started looking at bike shops. I, in the meantime, actually, I sent a message, I remember, on Instagram to Marcelo Gutiérrez. He's like, you know, a World Cup uh, racer for Giants who, from Colombia. He's quite mm-hmm. a legend there. Yeah, don't hell, and don't like,
1: hell, dude, yeah.
0: Yeah, and mm-hmm. um, so I sent him a message. He, he reprised me straight away with his number. I said, yeah, call me, call me on WhatsApp. So I call him, and we have this very interesting um conversation and he was really supported and really excited about this um again unfortunately he won't be able to be there i mean he is another he's very busy with his own tight schedule on on the world cup racing obviously mm. but so he shared for example the page in uh, the, the you know the my wish for life colombia page on his facebook he's been pro- helping promoting that locally uh so he's been and giving me some tips as well so he's done again another good great support but so so the project has been progressing, and then once things looked real and feasible, then I said, cool, right, let's kick in. So then I opened the Wish for Life page, you know, Columbia page on Facebook, uh, another website. I start spreading the voice, print some, print some leaflets, uh, and then kick in properly. Um, the thing I've done differently this time compared to the two years ago is I'm really more focused on social media fundraising than, mm. you know, like one-to-one, almost door-to-door with that. And I can see, actually, he's doing very well. I'm very happy with that. And, and I can see that the positive, powerful of the social media and reaching people, like as I did also with you, and, you know, of, uh, of spreading the voice and sending the message around. Uh, and then, obviously, the more you spread the voice, the more people you find interested and wanting to collaborate. I've been doing some, also some local events here, like some raffles. I'm going to organize a bingo in the next couple of weeks in a, in a Latin bar here in Wellington. So I'm still active locally as well, but as on top of that, I'm using the social media as a powerful engine for the fundraising.
1: Yeah, certainly. And what's your time frame on that?
0: Yeah, well, because uh, I'm going to Colombia on the 22nd of June, so in four weeks, really. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm hoping uh, I really need to finish by, I think, the 10th or 11th of June, or at least, the, you know, probably, yeah, 10, around 14th well, at the latest. I really need to have all my funding complete and organized to then all organize the bikes for when I go there.
1: Mm-hmm. And and what are you hoping for this time? What are you aiming for as far as fundraising goes? What are you trying to raise?
0: Uh, I I put my target at 4,000. I double it from yeah. this time compared to last time. And um, let me see. Actually, uh, my go So my Facebook fundraising, I got 1640. I got there the the Give a Little page because some people don't like to donate on Facebook. Fair mm-hmm. enough. I that's 166 So that's about uh, 2500 and something. I got uh, some from the local cash, another probably three, $400. So I'm about a $3,000. So I think it's
1: achievable.
0: Yeah. As that's I say, good, the fact man. that it's located in my shoulder, like, yeah, the last couple of weeks uh, upset me, my plans, my schedules. But hey, this is life, you know, things happen. Uh, but yeah, I think we, mm-hmm. we do. I'm, I'm pretty satisfied, though, where I am, really, with the fundraising, to be honest.
1: Yeah, no, you're doing you're doing uh, awesome, awesome work. And, it, you know, it changes lives so much uh, in those countries. And But can I ask you, why Central and South America? You just tend, you seem to go there. Why? I know it's pretty close I, to you in New Zealand. But... Well,
0: well, not really, to be honest. It's not that close. But, no. Look, it's just I, a paddle I mean, across
1: the pond, eh? Uh, uh,
0: look, I think, uh, look, I'm Italian. Right? I'm from Sicily, Italian, but Sometimes I feel myself more South American. I don't know. So There's something more Latin in me, I right, have to say. But uh, beside that, I actually have a son who lives in Brazil. Ah, oh, um, so, Yeah, so uh, I was married with this Brazilian girl. We had this kid, but then he was born in New Zealand. Then we separated, they went back to Brazil. So he lives there. I go there every year to spend some time with him. So Mm -hmm. I try to join. So I go to South, I go to Brazil. uh, But every time I go there, I try to go to a new country as well in in the area. So that's how I started um, traveling in the Latin America because I was going to Brazil anyway. So I just take an extra ten days off and go somewhere else. And you know, because I still want to travel, I still want to see new places.
1: Yeah, certainly. No, yeah. It's, so, uh, and,
0: and to be honest, look, he's seven years old now. Um, I love when he gets behold, to do the same with him. That would be like my life dream.
1: Ah, it's amazing! It's amazing. You're doing mm-hmm. you're doing wonderful stuff there for sure. Um, so, how can people help you out? How can they donate some money? Help you out on what you're doing here to help these kids.
0: Yeah. So really practically the, the only way for people to help is really donating. Unfortunately, you know, even locally people ask me, oh, I have this old bike, oh, I don't use it, oh, and my my kid is overgrown. Can I give you this bike? Unfortunately, not, because I said the logistic of bringing bikes it would be just too difficult. And on top of it, then I bring a used bike, possibly a whole bike. There it breaks down in a month, and then what are they gonna do? They're gonna throw it away or what? So mm-hmm, nah. mm-hmm. so yeah, really. Uh, i know it sounds a bit sketchy but really money and donations this is the only way to support this project at the moment um so i got two uh, way to receive donations i got a fundraising page on facebook uh, it's called wheels for life four as a number so wheels number four life space colombia space 2019 so um you can donate through that and as I said, some people don't like true, uh, the principle of donating through Facebook. Uh, fair enough. So there is another um, uh, website. It's an website called Give a Little. They say like a, from a, a charity of the, a big company here. And mm-hmm. you it's possible to donate through that. Um, is uh, tax deductible? So you get a receipt so people can actually, you know, the, deduct from tax expenses or so You know, so Mm -hmm. something might get some You know, might be important for some people or some companies. And yeah, I mean, I would love to to spread the voice around and every my motto is really every little help is a big help. You don't have to donate no so much or your kidney, even one dollar. But, you know, more more people donate, more people, more kids get bikes. That's that's the bottom line.
1: Yeah, it's pretty amazing, and um, I'll put those links and stuff on the show notes for people Thanks that want to lot. get involved and want to help yeah. that way. Um, now, before I let you go, I just want to ask you: like, how has this experience through mountain bike changed your life?
0: Uh, as I said, it probably starts. It gave me the chance of seeing, exploring the world and people of different countries from a different perspective. That's probably the main thing of the mountain biking is given to me. And as I say, because you can travel, right? You can travel in a lot of ways. You can jump on a cruise and go, you know, five countries in five days in the Mediterranean and you spend four hours in each city, but, yeah? Or you can go, you know, visit, visit Italy and you go to Rome and Venice and take some pictures in the Colosseum. Cool. I can, that's cool. Um, i said, there is a different level of exploring and traveling. And what I get from mountain biking, I think is unique.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah it's crazy it's, it's an amazing thing and it changes so many people's lives you know and, and what you're yeah. doing is amazing because you obviously are getting the experience of traveling and riding trails and but you're also getting the experience of helping people that need it and they don't need it just for fun they need it to get to school they need it to get a to hospital they need it to get to the local market you know it, it really does make a big difference in people's lives
0: yeah, absolutely. So it's, as I said, it's a life-changing opportunity. Like, and these kids, um, um, the kids in Guatemala, for a ride, so this, those kids who receive those bikes in Guatemala are kids that their family have no the possibility of, of sending them to school. And then there is this school that offers free education to these, um, to these kids. But some of them live in the farms so or quite far and they cannot go to school. They, so it's either I'm not going to school, or you gave a bike and they can go to school, they can access education. And if you think of it, this is like a life-changing opportunity, you know?
1: Mm.
0: I mean, especially in a kid, giving the opportunity to a kid to go to school, it's, it, it's really something that, uh, not, I don't think there are other ways to improve someone's future. And for example, the school in Guatemala has a motto and say, breaking the cycle of poverty to, uh, not to culture, to education. And mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. true. You know? uh, if you think about unfor- all these unfortunate situations, the countries in the world, they are really poor and they struggle with a lot of... Because the poverty then is not just a lack of food, is what generates the ignorance and the, you know, the, the social issues that are generated by poverty. And, and the only way to really improve in the long term those issues or try to um, diminish them is giving the chance to the, as many people as you can to access education. This mm-hmm. is really the recipe. And, and that's what I want to do. This is, it's not, I'm not just giving bikes away to, to, for kids to have fun, but I'm giving bikes away to change, give them an opportunity of a different future.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that's that's the difference, and it's it's pretty amazing to be honest. What Hans has done there, and um, yeah,
0: I mean, all the props to Hans. Yes, I'm I'm just tagging along <laughs> to the amazing project he started. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not one to take the props easy. He, he, he he's the man.
1: Yeah, but you know, it, it needs. If it wasn't for guys like you. Um, it wouldn't be where it is today so you know it's it's a team effort it's a crew effort everybody needs to yeah
0: yeah. and and i hope maybe with through this podcast other people will get inspired and jump on board and it doesn't have to be the worst for guys project got anything i guess any little help is a big help at the end of the day
1: yeah certainly And, and it's it's amazing and it's it's also awesome to be able to do it through something you're so passionate about yourself you know through mountain biking and be able to share that and hopefully these kids you know, when they're done going to school, you know they can have a bit of fun on their bikes as well. You know, so yeah, it's-
0: absolutely. Yeah, and their whole and, 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 you know, and maybe some of these kids will start loving mountain biking and maybe start mountain biking more serious. And you know, maybe in twenty years' time, one of them will be you know a professional, a professional mountain biker. You know, and getting a life and a you know and a life stability out of that. Uh, mm-hmm. That that's yeah, that's that's how it works. You know, more people. But uh, the more people get exposure to bikes, more people will have. Eventually, some of them will get some future because of the bike, uh, either either directly or indirectly.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's awesome. So, is this something you plan to do again? Are you planning to do it into the future? Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, I would love to do it again, as I say. And (laughs) by the the sound of things, the way that every time I do something, it gets every time bigger. I wonder what it's going to (laughs) be next time, but i don't do long-term plans like i mean i focus really on my target my target at the moment is colombia uh, i want to get the best out of it in either way in all the ways my personal way of traveling and the, the best outcome for them and um, once i'm there and then i finish my trip and i go home and then i get all out of the jet lag and back to work and i get bored again then i start thinking something big again you know so i don't know yeah i would do it again uh I don't know what yet, so I can keep you posted for another episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, you know, it would be cool to get you back on, maybe chat about the Columbia thing, how it went and how it was received. And, um,
0: oh, yes, de-
1: absolutely. Yeah, definitely get get your insight into that and um, see what else yeah. you've planned then.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And actually, put, I will send you maybe some pictures live as well, you know, so, you know, yeah. you can share as well, so give us some uh, date on the moment but yeah i don't know absolutely i'm i'm really happy as i said it's all for the good and the more we spread the voice more people will get inspired more people will benefit out of it. it's a cycle so let's let's do it
1: yeah cool man cool well listen it's been awesome having you on the show and um thanks for reaching out and getting in touch and i hope everything goes well in colombia and uh, you get some awesome trails yourself of course but I hope it all goes well and you get the bike sorted and everything else. Um, so good luck with that, sir.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And as I say, I really thank you for having me, you know, as a guest in your program and giving me this opportunity. I sincerely appreciate it.
1: No, it's for a great cause. Like you're you're doing very, very good stuff there. And I'm, I'm sure you spend quite a lot of your spare time um doing the wheels for life fundraising and, and things um i've been involved in fundraising a wee bit before in the past and i know it can take up a lot of time um so uh congrats yeah, man! you're, do, you're doing you, really thanks. well
0: it's all for the good mate you know that's that's what keeps you going
1: <laughs> yeah well thanks very much dude uh thanks for coming on the show and i will definitely speak to you in the near future and we'll get you back on and see how things are going uh, perfect
0: oh as i say new zealand choice bro <laughs> yeah, Classic.
1: <the> <laughs> Classic. Well, you know, I've had. Uh, let me see. if had, You're the third. Well, no, I don't know if you count Tasmania as New Zealand. Mm, no, Not man, really. No, as no, no, no. I mean, I.
0: We, I almost, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit controversial how the things. I think they they the Tasmanian possibly feel more New Zealanders than Australians. Now it's, <laughs> it's okay. Okay, let's talk about officially. Officially, Tasmania is a region of Australia, and yeah. New Zealand is not a country altogether. But yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah but I've had, uh, I've had a few years from that area so
0: <laughs> on the podcast yeah. awesome and it's All a right, great pod. i haven't been there yet to ride but for the feedback i have a few friends have been there riding and they say it's amazing so it's in my list but yeah i yeah. will go i will get there probably end of the year
1: <laughs> i definitely well i've got a couple of episodes on the podcast about riding in tasmania about blue derby and and um, yes uh, yes so, I saw
0: them. Yeah. sounds
1: amazing dude sounds amazing yeah yeah <laughs> Cool. Well thanks so much sir. Thanks for coming on. Have a good evening and um I will speak to you in the near future.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much and yeah, thanks.
1: That's a wrap for episode eighty-nine folks. I hope you enjoyed it. What an awesome story Davide has to share with us. And it just shows you what mountain biking can actually do for you. It'll take you to all these crazy places and give you all these crazy adventures. Um ultimately leading to an awesome awesome thing which Davide is doing with hands ray and obviously the wheels for life charity so well done sir and thanks so much for coming on the podcast it was great to get you on and i hope it helps people go to your page and helps support that bike drop to columbia Um, i know it's such a such a worthwhile cause doing a bit of reading into the wheels for life charity and it changes so many lives and so many so many good ways so well done sir thanks so much for coming on and all the best with that now thanks for listening folks the best way to help support the show is subscribing rating and reviewing us on Apple podcasts every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithm and helps spread the word about the show to more people so if you would do that that would be awesome if you're not on apple you can also find us and subscribe via stitcher spotify and podbean we also have a website mtb-tribe.com where you can find the complete back catalog listen and download every show via there you can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to the show just letting you know who's coming on a small synopsis of what we will be chatting about You can also get involved on social media at MTV Tribe on Instagram and Facebook. Take screenshots and help share the show that way is also awesome. So thanks so much for tuning in again, folks. I really appreciate you listening to the show. And if you have any suggestions for the show or you want to hear about any topic or any guest, just drop me an email, info at mtvtribe.com. I do read all emails and I will get back to you and try and sort that out for you on the show. Thanks again, folks. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the ride. Talk to you next week.